Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. I'm working at- an Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on The Chuck and Julie Show. Well, happy Party Friday to everybody. Chuck Bonio, Julie Hayden, The Chuck and Julie Show, Grassroots, brought to you by... Uh, Just straight up. Just straight up. I blew it for the first time in a while. <laughs> brought to you by uh, Mountain West Wellness Advanced Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine and HappyTrees.co. Okay, so great day for us today at the U.S. Supreme Court. We'll be diving into all of that. But first, we want to start off this party Friday with Jamie Glassoff, a front page magazine author of a great new book, Obama's True Legacy. Um, Jamie, hey, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jamie. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hey. Well, tell everybody about your book and what, what caused you to write it. Well, thank you. It's Barack Obama's True Legacy. And I think the best way to, to say this is uh, my parents were dissidents in the Soviet Union. Dad and mom stood up against the Soviet regime. They almost ended up in the gulag. We were very lucky to escape wow. that evil empire. I was a little kid when we got out. And so we ended up in the United States, and I love this country very much. And so I'm that story of the child of Soviet immigrants that loves America. And we escaped the Soviet Union, but the Soviet Union has now come to us. And it's a very frightening development. And all of us that love freedom can feel that, and we can see that. And so when we're watching this catastrophe unfold with Joe Biden, We have to think of the seeds. We have to think, where was this planted? What fertilized this catastrophe? And this catastrophe was fertilized in the Obama administration by Obama. And so I got 11 experts to write 18 essays on Barack Obama. And these experts show how he enabled ISIS, how he enabled Palestinian terrorism, how he betrayed Israel, how he enabled the killing of Israelis, how he fanned and poured fuel on the fire of racial tensions in the United States, how he accelerated the spread of Marxism in America, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's an awful legacy, and we're seeing the third term now. And we really, really have to look at who Obama was and is to understand uh, the damage that's being done to this country right now. And very frighteningly, maybe irreversibly so. So very frightening situation. Yeah, it's amazing how such evil comes these days with smiling faces, whether it's Obama, Trudeau, or Macron. Um, but they all give off this, you know, hi, everybody. And But what they're really doing in the background is authoritarian and terrible. Oh, you're absolutely right. And uh, I've dedicated my life to trying to understand this. And this Marxist lie, this leftist lie, as we know, it's rooted in the Garden of Eden because this is a spiritual battle. And I studied psychopaths for a long, long time. I've written a book called Jihadist Psychopath. And I'm fascinated uh, 
by how these evil people, they come, as you say, with smiles, yeah. with great promises. And, you know, the serpent in the Garden of Eden, he acted as if he was acting on behalf of Eve's interest. See, I'm doing this for you. This is going to help you. You can be like God. You can live forever. Just go and eat that. that see, that's what the left is. We're going to do this for you. We're going to do that for you. We're going to do yeah. this for you. And it's very hypnotic. It's very alluring. And it's camouflaged with equality and everybody holding hands and everybody being happy. But what really happens, <laughs> excuse me, is the destruction of humanity. Well, and you know, it's it's ironic. I don't know if you've seen it. We maybe can ask you in a second about the uh, the Obama legacy roots um, with some of the Supreme Court stuff, the cases, the, the overturning of some of the things that Obama did. But mm. one of the things I noticed is, you know, he and Michelle are tweeting about how horrible it is. And we're sitting, you know, we're all racist again now with the, the affirmative action going down um, and, and at universities and et cetera. They're t- saying all these horrible things. And then you're seeing these pictures of them on a yacht in Greece having dinner with Hollywood celebrities, right? So, I, I mean, it's just the the hypocrisy of, like you said, not only only are they they couched in smiles and are doing this for you, but then they just turn around and the hypocrisy is just appalling to me too. Well, absolutely, and this is what the left is. I mean, back in in my, in my country, they're called the nomenclatura. They create equality, but then the nomenclatura is the privileged class, and we see it all throughout history, and we just seen it again, and it's still continuing. Just this COVID period, this, you know, this is also communism. It's just through another lens. So when you watch very carefully, everybody has to wear masks. But when you look at Obama's birthday party, hmm, very (laughs) interesting. So everybody's got to get these shots. Everybody's got to wear these masks, maybe even more than one mask. But all of a sudden, you look at Fauci at that stadium with his mask down and right. you look at Obama dancing at his birthday party with no mask. It's very interesting, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, Orwell said uh, all animals are created equal. Some are more yes. equal than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they'll, and they'll take your not only your humanity away, they'll take even your ethnicity away. This is how they dehumanize you. Because, you see, if you're black and you vote for Trump and not for Joe Biden, what does yeah. Joe Biden say? Oh, you're not even black. Like, these are monsters. They, in the Soviet Union, they erased people out of history. They erased people out of reality by throwing them into the gulag. But today, if you are a certain color, they'll even take the color of your skin away. They'll take your racial ethnicity away if you don't even think like they do. Right. Well, and... You know, talk a little bit, you know, so the, the Supreme Court, did, um, you know, three, in my opinion, great rulings, one on the freedom of speech, one um, getting rid of affirmative action, um, which is just racism in, in universities, and then the Biden um, student loan deal. But it seems to me that under Obama, particularly, the progressives started using lawfare, where they took laws and court cases and twisted it around to do whatever they want, based not on the uh, Constitution anymore, but but on just their attempts to social engineer us. And I mean, did that, did Obama have a role in all of that? Well, absolutely. And uh, in my book, Barack Obama's Legacy, we have quite a bit there in terms of especially how Obama, you know, the Obama administration poured the fuel 
all over the fires of racial tensions at Ferguson, et cetera. This is where Black Lives Matter really got its power. Uh, but look, just the bottom line is Martin Luther King Jr. talked about a dream of people being colorblind. Isn't that what we're pursuing? We're pursuing a color. I thought that we're pursuing a colorblind society. And right. they are against race. I mean, it's just so blatant right in front of your eyes. They they are saying that they are against racism, but at the same time, they're against the Supreme Court overturning people seeing the color of skin. Right. You know, it's right. just it's very blatant. But for us, I mean, it's just incredible how there's an elephant in the room, but the left creates a reality where you can't point to it. It's just it's very obvious that in order to move towards. Uh, a society that Martin Luther King Jr. envisioned. We don't want to judge people according to race. Well, and Obama came out very much against the Supreme Court's decision, saying mm-hmm. we can't mm-hmm. all pretend that you know everything is hunky dory. And unless you're Asian, of course, then then, yeah, then, then, then we can we can do whatever we yeah, want. It depends to. on the right. What? Well, what about where yeah. do you you know you talk about Obama's legacy? And and I want, you know, it's intriguing because I try to be hopeful, but I was telling Chuck after our last show, it's harder and harder to be hopeful, but we still have to be hopeful. But you said perhaps irretrievably things have mm. gotten to sort of a tipping point. Talk about that a little bit. What do you mean? Well, look, this is always a difficult subject because most people, they need to hear good news. Right. And I find that a very large number of people, uh, they are emotionally incapacitated they cannot hear bad news or they get emotionally incapacitated and then they start blaming you you know i have people around me they're maybe you need to have faith this mm-hmm. is when i when i'm saying what's going to happen and what's coming down the line it's a very important subject to discuss because we need to be realistic yeah you know when we think about the jewish people in the 30s that were saying hey there's going to be a genocide. These these Nazis coming into power, they're going they're going to have a genocide. They're going to perpetrate a genocide. And there were other Jewish people in that community that were condescendingly telling them, "Oh, you need to be optimistic. You're so pessimistic." These are the people that are actually disarming us. Yes. So the people that tell us, "Oh, you need to be optimistic." See, I have to be honest. I hate those people because they're the ones who don't have faith. <laughs> Me too. I, I hate them too. I believe in Jesus Christ. I don't get depressed. I we right. know what the New Testament tells us. There, there's going to be a certain timeline where evil prevails, and if the world hates. You remember it hated me first, as Jesus said. Look, let's just be on the right side. Let's do the best that we can. But we have to accept that there may be a dark time during a dark timeline, and we just do the best that we can, and we have faith. We still celebrate life. So we just have to kind of crystallize that right there. But all we we can't just always want to hear good news. We have to be realistic because if we're realistic about the bad times that are coming, we can equip ourselves to deal with it. So this is what happens when people are always saying, oh, everything's going to be okay. No, 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 not everything's necessarily going to be okay. So I just want to get that out of the way there. We're not being defeatists. We're just being realists in terms of what's happening. So look, well, what can I tell you? It's, It's very bad. The left has been fighting for decades. This is the problem with conservatives. They don't know how to fight political war. 
those that do need our support, the David Horowitzes, the Charlie yeah. Kirk, there's conservatives out there that want to fight, but this is the problem that the left fights nonstop and conservatives on many levels don't know how to fight political war. Because of that, while we were asleep, the left took over Hollywood, it took over the media, it took over academia, it took over the political sphere. Now they're in the White House. So because now they've even taken over the intelligence agency. So we can't close our eyes to this and just pat each other on the back saying everything's going to be okay. They're doing tremendous damage to this country. The open border, they've yeah. really succeeded. This is all by calculation. This is all by design. The left hates this country. Another one of my pet peeves is when people say, oh, they're so stupid. Biden's stupid. There's nothing stupid about these people. They're cleverly brilliant in fulfilling Marxist strategy. They hate this country, and it's all by design, and they're very successful in what they're doing. We have a president that's opened up the borders, and when unvetted illegals come into the country, you would think that you would say, no, you have to go back. Right. Because you have to come in here the right way. Instead, he puts them on buses and planes and flies them around the country. You have to ask yourself, why would you do that? The answer is very clear. So a lot of damage is being perpetrated, and we have to be prepared for what that means. Well, part you know, part of the problem, and it's it's an age-old problem, um, is that you have to fight fire with fire. You have to adopt some of the tactics that your opponents, in some ways, you know, it's, it's, you lower your own morality by doing that. Um, but lawfare, where we just constantly, uh, use the courts to attack political opponents. Well, Republicans, it'll never stop until Republicans do the same. And then they cry, okay, let's not use the courts just to punish political opponents. But it's, it's, you can't just say, oh, that's too bad, Obama. Uh, Justice Department has now basically gone after Trump. Um, some of some people in red states have to go after the Democrats or you'll lose. You, you know, you, you may not think it's fair somebody brought a, a knife to a fist fight, but you better bring a knife or a gun um, or you're going to find yourself gutted. Oh, after you are hitting bingo and the people who who criticize Trump, it just they're so blind. There's one particular particular Fox News host that I'll, we'll leave nameless for now. And he was on there recent, in the recent past saying, yeah, he's so mean. Why does he engage in this rhetoric? I really don't get that. And he was criticizing Trump's personality and the way Trump goes at people. That's blindness because, okay, so what do you want? You want, Bill, you want Romney? You what, want all the Republicans that lose yeah. all the time? Trump won the election and he fills stadiums for a reason because he fights. The left hates the fighters. See, the left wants somebody like Romney in that third foreign policy debate with Obama. A person, he was supposed to say during Benghazi, where were you that night? Your hands are drenched in the blood of the people on our side that died in Benghazi. Instead, he was smiling and trying to be nice. This is the problem with conservatives. So you see, Trump fights. All that stuff that many criticize him for, the way, you know, that he pokes fun and sometimes when he's rude, this is what the left hates the most. They hate it when you fight back. But oh, that's they do. why Trump is so successful. He gets into the mud a little bit and fights back with them. That's why he's so successful. That's why they hate him so much, because he hits their nerves. 
Right. Well, well here, here's from Leo, and it's a very uh, we and good, we have a Zoom so people can kind of comment as we're rolling along here. Lower your morality. Yep. That is Chuck um, speaking for ballot harvesting, and that's a fair point. I've argued three, four years now, five years now. Colorado, we have massive mail-in balloting, all ballot harvesting, and I've said, you know, you got to get rid of the ballot harvesting. The only way you get rid of the ballot harvesting is do it successfully yourself. And if you refuse to do ballot harvesting, you're going to lose every election. That's all there is to it. And then, then uh, and 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 if you lose every election, they have no reason to want to reform it. Um, so I think it's a valid thing. You better ballot harvest, although I don't like ballot harvest. Well, there are other versions of fighting. Well, yeah, other, but but you, know? you have to do it. You can't just say, "Well, I'll just vote on election day and that's it." Well, then you might as well not even go to the polls because you're not going to win. Um, you got to mm-hmm. fight fire with fire. Mm-hmm. And at, well, yeah, we have a, a real big problem, but Trump very much crystallized all of this because right. he fights and he hit back and conservatives usually just sit back and they always want to be nice. And, uh, you know, I work at Front Page Magazine as the editor, my boss, David Horowitz, who leads Front Page. You know, this is a former leftist. He got out of the belly of the beast, and now he fights against the left. And he's written he's written a book, for instance, called The Art of Political War. He explains you have to fight these people. You have to fight fire with fire. There has to be the strategy of taking no prisoners. And that's what Trump represents in many ways and why he was so successful. And uh, conservatives have to follow that. I think so, too. You know, going back to a point you made about Obama hating America and then how the left attacks it years ago, um, seven years ago, I course, six years ago, I quit. I was a TV reporter in Denver for a long time. And at the time, Chuck and I had a radio show and and I didn't cover politics. I wasn't the political reporter. But on the show, I said that Obama hates America. And this, I think, was after he, you know, he called ISIS the JV squad and they took down, you know, the flag at one of our posts there. And I mean, it was just humiliating. Right. And he didn't care. Um, and then they had their little Media Matters guy who monitored our show call up a TV station to complain that Julie said Obama hates America. And my boss called me in. I'm like, well, he does. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, it's, you know, she's oh, just don't say that anymore. OK, I'm like, but that's what they do. Right. If you not only you try to fight fire with fire, you try to speak the truth. I mean, I'm sure you remember the time you weren't allowed to even question why won't Barack Obama show us his birth certificate? You couldn't even question anything. Um, and and mm. I'm sure you'll be attacked for this book when you talk about his legacy, because that's not the legacy we're supposed to be you're talking racist. about. Yeah, you're, you're a mm. whatever, right? Well, well, you make such great points. I would just add two things to that, just to confirm the wisdom that you're speaking. First of all, in terms of ISIS and all the evil that they perpetrate, and when he was making those jokes, JV team, whatever, you know, maybe it's not so funny when a JV team has your young daughter as a sex slave and is raping her every day and every night. There's nothing funny about that. And how disgusting it was when he made that lighthearted remark, because there are Yazidi girls at this very moment still captured and being raped and being tortured by ISIS members. So just to say this, that Robert Spencer documents this in in my book, in our book, that, that I, listen, I, those, those JV bands or whatever he was making fun of, they were out in the open in the field. You could see them. My question is why weren't they taken out? 
Yeah. Trump did that in the blink of an eye. ISIS was decimated by Trump in the blink of an eye. So the question remains, why didn't that happen under the Obama administration? And the answer to that lies in something else that you said, Julie, that's very uh, wise, is that, okay, so you said that he hates America, and somebody will say, well, yeah, don't say that. Okay, well, let's ask this then. When you're coming into power and you say we are five days away from transforming this country, you love this country. Why would you want to transform it? <laughs> so if you want if you want if you want to transform this country, that means you have a problem with this country, right? Right. And so and we've seen it over and over and over again. And then that comment when he was asked about American exceptionalism and what an exceptional country this is. And if you study the history of this country, even the common sense of the American Constitution, of the Declaration of Independence, and how this country is founded on the principle of humans having the right to pursue happiness of all the Judeo-Christian tradition that's in there, of the sanctity and autonomy of the human being and how we're created in the image of God and how God loves and cherishes every single individual. There's so much exceptional to this country. And he's asked about American exceptionalism. And he says, oh, well, it's exceptional just the way that, you know, Greece and Britain might be right. exceptional and how they say, you know, to answer a question like that, so much hatred in a person's heart for this country. But how dare you trivialize that answer there? Because there's something so precious to this American experiment that, that, immigrant, that, that immigrants like myself love so much about this country. And what's unfortunate is that for some reason, it's only us immigrants from these totalitarian regimes that are fighting so hard. I'm not saying we're the only ones. Of course, I don't mean that. But so many Americans... Well, you're the strongest ones. I mean, whether a lot of yeah. these things you find, all find, suddenly find all these Afghan immigrants going, no, no, we're not going to do what you want. No, we're not going to have... Uh, Pride night. No, we're not going to, you know, denigrate the country. Whether, and I, because I think they've lived in systems in which they don't want to go back. And and it's it really is true that the the hardest fighters for us are the people most recently. Well, who realize, who realize what yeah. what it's like when you lose it. Absolutely. And look, what's really frightening right now, guys, is that we have the intelligence agencies in this country in parking lots, writing down the license plates of cars owned by parents that are in a meeting yes. because they're concerned about drag queens dancing in front of their children. This is who the left now brands as domestic terrorists. The yes. left is in power now. This is how the Bolsheviks operated in the Soviet Union. Anybody that thinks differently from you is a Nazi fascist domestic terrorist. They're doing this here now. The right. Democrats are going according to the Bolshevik playbook. And this is very, very dangerous because we're already there. Yes. It's going to get worse in the sense that if you do not think like a leftist, you are a domestic terrorist. And we're yes. already there now. I think you're right. I think you're right. Listen, Jamie, we have run, sadly, run out of time with you. We'll have to have you back. Yeah, Real great, quick. great. Tell people, you know, where where can they, you know, this is Obama's true legacy. Where can they get the book and where and front page? Give magazine. Jimmy's name again. Yeah, Jimmy. Uh, am I saying it right, Glasshoff? That's great. I, I That's great. Okay. And where There's can, a couple where, ways, but that's my favorite. 
Okay. <laughs> Where can people get you, read more about you and get your book? Look, I'm so grateful that you've invited me and given me the time that you have, because usually it's uh, two, three minutes and they throw you right out the door. Um, <laughs> everybody go to frontpagemag.com. It's a project of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. And David Horowitz is fighting this battle on the front lines. So I'm the editor of frontpagemag.com. Also check out my TV show, which is called The Glazoff Gang. It's a web TV show, so check me out there. And get the book, Barack Obama's True Legacy. And you can get it at the bookstore at frontpagemag.com or just go to amazon.com. And I really appreciate the time you've given me here well, today. Well, we, we, you've been great. We've loved, loved having you. Loved having that, you. Yeah, the fight that you're doing too. Jamie, thank you very much. Hey, have a happy 4th of July weekend. Thank you so much. God bless you. All right. Thank you. Um, Jamie Glass up there, guys. Um, front Page Magazine. I think it's frontpagemag.org and um, Obama's True Legacy. Yeah, Jim Jackson, he's great. He is. He's absolutely great. And Charlene, you're right. Bolshevik play, uh, playbook exactly. You know, and, and which is going to lead us now into wanted to talk for the rest of the time here about the Supreme Court thing. You know, typical Denver Post, all the lefty media things are saying that they, they've eliminated gay rights. They say you don't have to, they, they, they've, um, you don't have to, what did they say? She did have to serve gay customers. No, it didn't say that at all. If you haven't heard, the Supreme Court uh, sided again with Colorado on this. Um, well, this not with Colorado against, against Colorado. Colorado. Well, I guess it meant with Coloradans, <laughs> with the people with you know. Yeah, but against the state. Uh, yes, you're right. Thank you. Opportunity um, Commission. Where the or whatever it was called, the Colorado anti-discrimination, no, whatever I think it's it is. Time, but who knows? Yeah, but at any rate, the Supreme, it might be Civil Rights Commission. The, the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court today, sided with the Colorado graphic artist who said that while she was happy to have gay customers, straight customers, trans customers, what furry customers, whatever, she did not want to make a website for a gay wedding because it violated her religious beliefs. Um, and in a six to three shocker decision, um, the court ruled that she did not have to do that, that her free speech, she, the, the, the state, I think the way Gorsuch put it is, we have tolerance, not coercion. You can't, the state cannot coerce her or anyone else to say something that, that violates her, her religious beliefs. Um, the question is, of course, could she do the same thing saying, well, she's not particularly religious, but she believes it's morally wrong. Would that be allowable? Who knows? Um, they did, you know, we had the Massapequa gay case in which the court basically found for Jack Phillips, but said it basically because of intemperate marks made by sort of a we'll procedural it, issue. Well, procedural by the Civil Rights Commission or whatever commission it was. Which means that, okay, assuming they didn't make intemperate marks, could he do it? And Jack Phillips has been sued numerous times to answer that question. And they did it this time, saying, yes, uh, free speech is covering creative rights and religious rights. Um, and it's, this can be litigated for as, as always it will be. But Chuck, you're, you're, you're stomping out the victory portion uh, okay. of the show. This is, okay. this is Party Friday, because I was going to do a more serious topic. I'm like, heck no, it's Party Friday on a holiday weekend. So I think, though, in general... And, and you're right, as always, the, the left is not going to be like, oh, well, darn, lost that one. No. You know, I, I guess we'll, you know, go let people have free speech now. Um, but th what, what, what Gorsuch said is, is you can't 
you can't force people. It's sort of censorship in its own way. If you tell people you have to say something and you people can have free speech and you can't as a government censor whatever speech you just don't like. But Jonathan Turley did, this is a little bit of a lengthy bite, but he he talks about this. He was on Fox saying that this is, in his view, a huge, probably even a, a, one of the most significant decisions that will come down in, in some time. So if we could please play Turley number one. We have this ruling from the Supreme Court at 6-3 does this answer the questions? Does this give us finality on what the decision is at the Supreme Court? It does. This is a momentous victory for free speech. I've been following this case since it was in front of the Tenth Circuit. Uh, and the Tenth Circuit gave a full-throated endorsement of the right of this Colorado commission to force this website uh, designer not only to take these uh, contracts, but also to take down statements on her own website about her religious beliefs. Uh, Justice Gorsuch uh, has said that that is all unconstitutional. I cannot uh, express uh, how important this case is for the First Amendment. For years, many of us have argued that the court was approaching these cases wrongly. In the Masterpiece Cake Shop case that you referred to, the court took an exit ramp and actually threw him back to this commission. And that guy languished there for years, uh, trying to defend his religious rights. Many of us have argued that these cases should not be religion clause cases, but free speech cases. And what happened here is that the court could have considered both issues, but refused the religion clause claim and said that they were only gonna look at free speech. And this is why. Because Gorsuch is saying that we've always been clear, you can't coerce people to say things. And what is being done here is telling a website designer, you have to say things through your website designs that you believe are wrong. And Gorsuch is saying that's not allowed under the First Amendment. And then when you look at everybody from Governor Polis to all the activists to the you know Denver Post headline, they're all portraying this as a setback for gay rights. It has nothing to do with gay rights. The well, gay you know, people, it's, but- it's, really, it's really not true. I mean, there is a war going on, uh, and what you know, one person's rights is another person's oppression. I mean, gay rights wants to force you to do whatever they want. They consider that a gay well, right. Okay, right. They think it's a right. That's a good point. The, yeah, their definition of rights is you do whatever I tell you yeah, to do. That's, that's my exactly. right to tell you to do. Exactly. But I mean, they can still have the, I mean, and it, it, I think as I understand it, the court made it clear too, we're not saying, I mean, the, what is it, the accommodations? Public accommodation. I mean, that still stands. You well, still part of it goes out because this all started in '64, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, where it said you just couldn't discriminate um, public accommodations. Now that's just a phrase. Back then, it kind of meant hotels and restaurants. You couldn't exclude back blacks from restaurants, and you know. But they assumed they well, pu- public accommodations, anything, as far as we're concerned. And they also, in the case, said that. If you have a commercial aspect to it, you seek to be paid. Well, that that doesn't you're not allowed to do that under the public accommodation law. And the court didn't overly address that. He said, no, it's not just a matter of your rights don't go away just because you charge for your. 
Right. Services. Well, and it was, and and they said that that the first that you know the First Amendment, the free speech right, is a huge constitutional right, and you can't just say you don't have a free speech right, and we can coerce you to say whatever we want. I mean, we've seen that happening all over the place, right? I mean, we were banned from YouTube for saying that masks don't protect children, and even though it was true at the time, it's true now. YouTube is still. Well, Robert Kennedy Jr. just got thrown off YouTube. He's not allowed to express his. He's a radical. So yeah, free speech only goes so far. But this was even worse. This is what they wanted to coerce her to say something she didn't believe in. And and, and Dana Perino, who I just, she's yeah, she's an idiot. I, I mean, I'm sorry, because she seemed distressed at this. And it's like, hello, put, put listen to MSNBC during your breaks or something. Uh, but she said, does, you know, does this say that she can refuse or that anyone can refuse to um, serve people? Like if you were to go into a grocery store um, and they could say, no, you can't come in here because you're gay. And he's like, no, it doesn't say that at all. So if we could please play the Turley number two. Yeah. Right. That's a critical distinction in that these cases, Masterpiece Cake Shop, as well as 303 Creative, uh, do not change the public accommodation laws. Uh, you cannot be uh, refused to go into stores and uh, buy items that are pre-made, for example, uh, based on your race or your status. In fact, in Masterpiece Cake Shop, uh, the owner said, no, we don't discriminate against anyone. We don't make any inquiries. It's only when you ask me to make a cake that expresses the celebration of a same-sex marriage that it really confronts the religious views that I have, and I don't want to do that. Uh, so what the court is saying here is that with these types of creative products, it is speech. And for those of us uh, in the free speech community, uh, this is an amazing moment. This will go down as one of the most important free speech cases in the history of the court. Mm. It'll go down as one of the most important cases Gorsuch has ever handed down, in my view. Uh, it is a huge victory uh, because it brings clarity to an area that was muddled and confused. Uh, the court is making a very strong statement in favor of free speech. I'm mystified by the dissent. You know, I, when, when Sotomayor came up for confirmation, I noted that she had a troubling free speech case as an appellate judge. Uh, but that hasn't been as pronounced until today. I mean, her dissent really gives very little weight to the free speech concerns uh, raised by many of us about these issues. In my view, the reason it's a free speech case is because you know, I would feel the same way about Nazis going into a bakery and asking a Jewish baker to produce an anti-Semitic cake uh, or to ask an African-American baker to produce a KKK cake. Um, various people have strong feelings that they don't want to be forced to express countervailing values. It doesn't mean they're right or they're wrong, uh, but we have the ability to accommodate that. And what Gorsuch says, and it's a really beautifully written opinion, is he says we can accommodate that in this country, uh, that we believe in pluralism, we believe in letting people have their own values. And so the distinction you drew is the most important of all. You must comply with public accommodation laws. This is a limitation of when you ask someone to do an expressive act in the form of a cake, a website, mm -hmm. maybe a photographer. And I think what's what's interesting, and Chuck, you know, you know more, way more about the law and read the opinion, but from what I read, one of the things that Gorsuch said, which is what has become so true, and, and kind of ties to what Jamie was talking about, the left has become so evil and so 
whatever totalitarian that that they want to tell you what you can and cannot say based on what they believe. And I think Gorsuch was saying, "There's, you know, you don't have to agree with somebody. You can disagree with somebody, but you can't co or you can't use your values and what you think because you happen to be in power at the moment to tell me what I have to say and what I cannot say." Well, it is in Sotomayor's um, dissent. Uh, was also amazing the document because very emotional. She said, "This is heartbreaking. This is sad. There's very little law, or not too oh, much law." Nightclub. There's going to be more uh, post nightclubs. Yes, oh. by the way, had nothing to do with gay. It had everything to do with the guy was a Muslim and he was going to do a jihad thing. So she was an idiot on that. But, Just aside uh, there, uh, Camille Harris um, praised Sotomayor as the most wonderful dissent she'd ever read. Now that's that's troubling for anyone. She knowing probably that, didn't even read it. No, she she can technically read. Um, and, but but it, you know, having her think something's brilliant, boy, I'm not sure you want that compliment. But anyway, that's what they're all doing. They gave they gave the three minority justices wrote three dissenting opinions. Kagan wrote it on the on the loan. Sotomayor wrote it on affirmative action. And Kendrick Jackson Brown. Uh, is it Brown Jackson or Jackson Brown? Yeah. Brown? Nope, Jackson Brown's a singer. J- Jackson Brown's a singer. He's good too. Yeah. Um, and she wrote it on the affirmative on the action. Affirmative action. Right. Well, and I think in Gorsuch apparently did a smackdown of um Sotomayor today, and her and he said he said she's just making stuff up in her descent. <laughs> he's like she's not even she's just making stuff up. And he said it's it's hard to imagine we even talking about the same case, which seems like kind of I mean his majority opinion was largely smacking her down. And her descent. Yes, opinion. which is interesting because yeah, it, you, you don't do that. Do well, you? more uh, ever since Antonio uh, Scalia, uh, done, he did that, and it's become more prevalent that where the majority opinion issues its opinion, somebody dissents, and they modify their opinion to respond to the dissent, uh, well, uh, which I think is fine because I think you yeah, do have to. Intro- you got to fight back. Yeah. Well, and then and then even Roberts, you know, did a, a mild smackdown of these liberal justices who are saying they're using the courts for political purposes. Oh, yeah. like, oh, no, that's oh, get done no. The Democrats would never do that. Well, moving on then to the affirmative action one, which I think is also good, but I think there's way more room for them to weasel around on this. In fact, the universities are already saying, well, we'll totally weasel around on this. Well, that's because Robert's opinion was so poor. Yeah. Um, his his opinion, and and uh, Clarence Thomas wrote a great right. uh, concurrence, 60-page concurrence, and he read the concurrence out from the bench. I mean, and I think Sotomayor read her dissent from the bench. So this is unusual. Normally, only the majority... Right, or the majority opinion reads his opinion. Now everybody's sitting there <laughs> reading away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his was so weak. He says, oh, you just can't check off boxes. I mean, if somebody writes an essay that talks about discrimination in his life, you can certainly... So he's basically saying you can just not do it solely on, on a percentage of how many blacks allow and how many Asians and everything else. But it leaves such huge room that it's yeah. almost irrelevant. It is almost irrelevant because you can consider race right. as one of the things. In the, and so if you're writing, if you don't know this, you know, write your, your college essay based on how you've been discriminated on by somebody. Because and, you're black. Yeah, well, be, or you can you, because, you're black. because you're Asian, that's not good. Well, you just don't make it clear. Right, but, just 
But it's obvious, you know, the university will continue just doing the same damn thing, just a little less blatantly. How do you think this will work in terms of affirmative action and hiring situations? It doesn't apply to it at all. Well, but I mean, would you, though, could you bring a lawsuit saying, well, this is where the court is leaning on that? Or is the university think such a different kind of animal or, you know, in theory is not a different animal being denied a job denied educational rights being denied anything is is you know they're they're certainly huge harm so you would think the reasoning from this one would apply to hiring and all these other programs but by its terms it's limited just to college admissions um and they and excluded the military and things like that right it's just college admissions. And some of the people, I want to just point out the hypocrisy there. As we said earlier, you know, the Obamas were blasting this, talking about how racism isn't dead in America and America is systemically racist from, I'm not even kidding you, a yacht in Greece. Okay. They're tweeting this, how awful America is and how, how badly they've been treated and how awful all Americans are because they're so racist while they're on a yacht in Greece. Okay. And then having, yeah, but Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks is there. Yeah, well, you know, the oppression is the oppression is unbelievable. It's like it's and you know, and then I'm going to play a bite from Winston Sear, the uh, lieutenant governor of Virginia, who noted that you know, uh, Katanya um, Brown Jackson, who wrote the dissent, talking about how awful and oppressed everybody is because they're black, so we need to have all these laws. Points out that she was there; she got the job solely because she's black. So it's kind of you know Mm -hmm. ironic that you know she 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 didn't actually say she the woman doesn't have any skills, but she just point of that if we could please play the winsome sears soundbite well what you have is a justice who was chosen because she's black and because she's a woman uh you know that's what we're understanding now what a woman is and martha while we're playing these stupid games i'm saying that education and the lack of it in america is risen to a national crisis china is not playing these stupid games china is interested in total world domination, then so is Russia and the rest of them. That's what we have to be concerned about. Our children are not learning. And in fact, when they do graduate from high school and decide to go on to college, Martha, more than 60% of them, according to the statistics, need remedial education that very first year. So you know how uh, the president is talking about getting rid of student loans? Well, then the children are having to stay one extra year in college based on loans that they've taken for work that they should have completed when they were in high school. Mm. So let's cut that and let's get to what the remedies are. And I'm pulling for school choice, school choice. Now our children are in need. And I think what she said and what some other black leaders have said, including Clarence Thomas, is like, that's let it be merit based. These, this affirmative action program is in effect saying to, and, and because it, like I said, they discriminate against Asians. So there's only some minorities are better than other minorities, right? right? right. Um, and, uh, they're saying it, it's saying to you, you can't do it. So we're just going to have to hand it to you. Um, and that's the exact wrong. And then once you get saying. in, uh, like Obama. Michelle Obama, everything she wrote for her thesis and so forth was about her black experience in discrimination, which is saying, you know, don't you dare fail me because I'm a moron. Right, right. And I have yachts to go to. I'm, yeah. I'm busy. I don't have time to write these stupid papers and theses and things. So, I mean, and, and again, that gets back to, that's what America is based on, right? Like Clarence Thomas said, you you go to school, you work hard, um, and you can, you won't be held back because of your race, unless, of course, you're one of the unfair, unless you happen to be a white guy, 
right? Or, or an Asian student. There was a Babylon Bee, it said Asian students took a five minute break from studying <laughs> to celebrate, <laughs> to celebrate the victory that will now allow them to go to college. But I mean, well, you know, it, it continues all the way through because once they want to get to Harvard or, or whatever, right. then they got to can't flunk them all. So then they got to make sure that you don't learn much in college either. I mean, it's just amazing. And this is from Charlene. Is this going to give the commies cover to expand the Supreme Court and then stack it? I know I'm such a oh, Debbie yeah. Downer. Um, oh, yeah, they're already talking about it, right? Adam Schiff is talking about that. And then Leo says, maybe you should have to pass a basic algebra test before you can sign up for a student loan so you'll know what you owe. Exactly. From well, Charlene. I-, I wonder how many. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm for Charlene, you should be able to make change at least. Yeah, yeah well, it depends on I wonder how many on the. Uh... Supreme Court could pass a basic. That's right. And well, then from Jim Jackson, apply affirmative action to pro sports. Yeah, somebody else was talking about that too. What if you did applied it to the NBA, yeah. right? And said, well, there are way too many black players here. So we're going to have, you know, Chuck, you know, join the well, NBA. I could make it on my own town. <laughs> well, okay, so I guess that's not fair. I, I played high school. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a fair assessment. So, and then finally, the other good decision, although I, I think Biden is going to do a workaround, um, the Supreme Court, I think it is kind of funny. They quoted actually Nancy Pelosi in that. Yeah. They quoted Nancy Pelosi who said, you know, the Biden does not. No, no, no. She said, she said Trump. She would oh, never she say Biden. Biden. She'd never say Biden. The president does not have the authority that, to just do that. It's up to Congress. Yeah, that well, that was applying to Trump. When Biden got in That's there, right, it was right. a whole different deal. And so Biden, though, I think, held a news conference today to say, well, first, the whole thing was a scam anyway, right? Because it's expiring. He said, we're going to forgive all your student loans so all you young people vote for me, okay? Um, and then once they voted for him, they're like, oh, yeah, we can't do that, actually. And, and I think the whole thing was ending soon anyway, right? And so now he says, well, it's the Republicans' fault. Um, and we're going to go ahead and pass this whole new thing so that everyone can not have to pay their student loan, except for when you read the fine print, it hardly impacts anybody, really. Well, it just yeah, it's their yeah. favorite groups. <laughs> right, exactly. So, but it is, so they're going to do a work around there, but but at least, it, you know, Charlene, it's the same thing. Don't want to be a Debbie Downer. These things are not, they're not clear victories. And it's like, Jamie said, you can't give well, up. Well, they're clear victories, but they're not permanent just victories. for today. Yeah. That's what Republicans, I remember a long time ago, Ted Trump was saying this. He said, this is why you guys don't win elections. When you do win an election on election day, you're like, yeah, we won. It's over. And then everybody goes away yeah. for the next, you know, three and a half years and right. come August of the election cycle, like, oh, let's, you know, let's, let's start making some calls or something. And that's the same thing. We have to, we know that they're going to undermine this. We know that they're going to try to stack the court. We know that they're going to ignore it. They're going to say, this is wrong. We're just not going to go with it. Right. Um, and so we have to be prepared to fight. We can't just say, okay, that was great. And now, you know, we're going to go play pickleball or something like that. So, um, and finally, on this Party Friday. Yay. Yeah, I found All this, right. this is pretty funny. This is um Dana Carvey and David Spade, who look exactly alike. I had a hard time, but but at any rate, um doing a thing on COVID and Fauci. And and Dana Carvey's Fauci uh pretty good. Uh, is is I think it's spot on. So I just wanted to play this for you. Even some people in Hollywood kind of get the fact that we were all, what a magnificently horrible con that was. If we could please play the Party Friday soundbite. COVID. I know. Dude, you know what I knew? There was trouble <laughs> when anyone that came to our country didn't have to get a vaccine. And I go, mm-hmm. if you're telling me I can't go to work, but everyone everyone coming in doesn't have to get one, I go, well, once we found out, when Fauci said, 
Okay, I'm sorry. If you've had two boosters and two vaccines, you can get and give COVID to another guy who's had five vaccines and four boosters. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between a vaccine and a booster? I don't know. It's just more vaccine, but booster sounds better. Anyway, a guy with 25 vaccines would get and give COVID to another guy with 25 <laughs> vaccines. That's why I'm introducing the daily COVID shot. Every day you get a shot. By the time you get to your car, you got no immunity. But it's a beautiful 39 seconds. <laughs> That's where they were going, right? That's what they wanted to do. You have to get a shot every 39 seconds. Tragically, you know, for big pharma's sake, that, that didn't. Oh, uh, they'll, get, they'll have more tricks up their sleeves. They'll have more tricks yeah. up their sleeves. Well, yeah, well, as I was talking earlier, I know Bill Gates. Hilaria. Yeah. The outbreak we all need to worry about. Um Oh, LOL from Charlene then. LOL, Jim, have Julie join the NBA equal rights for short white women. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then Jim says, I believe my self-esteem comes from my own accomplishments. And then Julie, nah, that's, nah. that's hilarious. No, Jim, you've got it backwards. Forget I need that, to give Jim. it to you. No, no. you know, that's a thing. I think one of the things you look at all of the, I was reading an article about like the, the depression among young people, the suicide rates, the transgender thing, all of this. Uh, because young people are taught you're not responsible for things. It's not your fault, right? I mean, I think it is much better to te teach people when you get right down to it, every choice you make is your choice. Now, it's not, you know, sometimes things happen. And, but if people are taught, you, you take responsibility for every choice, like which way you turn when you go at the end of your driveway, every choice you make, you make. And the people who feel like, that they have no power and everything is done to them, I think tend to be the most unhappy people. People who feel like they have power, even when things screw up, right? Even when things are a mess, even when things are a horrible mess. But if you have this underlying belief that you have the power, which means you're accountable too, that's a flip side of that. But I think you're more happy in general because you feel like, you know, your life isn't just something that is happening to you. You, you have, you can make an impact on your own life. And I, I think that has a lot to do with why young people are so screwed up. And then you've got the left saying, oh, it's because you have gender dysphoria. And they're like, oh, that sounds right. I'm going to tweet that furry. and put it on my TikTok, right? You're really a furry. And then from Leo, too bad the affirmative action decision doesn't apply to submersible engineers. Oh, and you're like this, the Colorado Medical Association, talk about a left wing, I never even heard it before. They put out a statement saying this affirmative action thing or the gay rights thing is terrible, as is the affirmative action thing. We need to make sure, I mean, how are we going to make sure we have diversity in our medical schools? Rather than saying, how do we make sure that we turn out doctors and nurses who know what they're doing? doing. No, we don't do that. No, no. That's oh, no. wrong thing, Chuck. That's wrong thing. That's wrong thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's Thank you, Colorado Medical Association. That's great. I got our, got our back. Thank you, Jared Polis, too, by the way, for wrecking the insurance industry in Colorado. Yeah, what else can you go to next, Jared? That's right. Our libertarian governor. There we go. Um, that is going to wrap it up for us on this Party Friday. I want to thank Jamie, Thomas, all the great guys at BBS, everybody on Zoom, and everyone who follows us on Twitter and watches the Rumble thing. Jamie Thomas. Who's Jamie Thomas? Jamie Glasshoff, I think. <laughs> Jamie Thomas. No, oh, Jamie Glasshoff. Justice Thomas. <laughs> oh, thank you, Thomas. Justice Thomas. And Thomas at BBS. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Thomas is expanding into... All all parts of the program. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. We will be back on Monday. Um, and everyone have a great weekend. Take care, everybody. Have a great fourth.